Welcome to the Human Theatre, a safe space teemed with an abundance of exploration about what it means to be a human in this world. Optimal health is your birthright and should not be a luxury. Knowing how your body works and understanding everything that relates to your human experience comes with the package. My name is Kelsey Buchholter, and I am here to dive deep into all things mental and physical health, longevity, nutrition, human consciousness, creativity, and more. Join me in normalizing the concept of what it means to be a human and the importance of being you. Enjoy the show. Hello humans, my name is Kelsey. I am a singer-songwriter, actor, dancer, nutrition advisor, health coach, and the host of the Human Theatre Podcast, as you know. (laughs) And welcome to the 13th show housed in the Human Theatre. Today's guest is someone working in the trenches of helping people reach optimal mental and physical health, and her name is Natalie E. West. Natalie is a clinical psychotherapist with over 16 years experience. Natalie specializes in self-image and nutritional psychology. She provides proven long-term strategies to help her clients to supercharge their mental and metabolic health. Natalie also brings with her a 20-year corporate career background in recruitment, operational and senior level sales management. Natalie is a sought-after educator and speaker on self-image conflict, nutritional psychology, and the power of poor nutrition on mental health. Natalie's work has taken her to stages in the UK, Canada, USA, New Zealand, and Australia. Natalie holds qualifications in clinical behavioral science and applied clinical hypnotherapy, She is also qualified in the areas of neuroclinical hypnosis, public speaking, group meditation facilitation, physical and psychological conditioning, and performance coaching. She also is experienced in the field of nutritional psychology and currently completing a qualification in nutritional psychiatry. Natalie also holds professional memberships with the Association of International Counselors and Psychotherapists. So, as you have heard... Natalie is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things health, and it was an absolute privilege to have her come on the show. Before I get on to today's show, don't forget about your special discount code if you want to order any product from Oxford HealthSpan. You can get a 10% discount when you enter KELSEY as the discount code at checkout. That's KELSEY, all in capitals, K-E-L-S-E-Y, all in capitals for a 10% discount. There will also be a link in the show notes. I also want to disclose that the content in this show is purely for educational and informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. If you feel you have a concern, seek a medical professional. And without further ado, here's my conversation with the beautiful, intelligent, wise Natalie E. West. Natalie West, welcome to the Human Theatre. Thank you so much, Kelsey. I'm really excited. <laughs> so excited to have you. Where, where can you just let our audience know where in the world you are currently speaking to us? Yeah, from? absolutely. So I'm in the future right now. So I'm in <laughs> Australia, in Melbourne. It's uh, 4 p.m. for me. <laughs> 
8 a.m. for us in South Africa. <laughs> ah, wow, amazing. Okay, cool. So, um, you, I recently heard you on a podcast, and I thought I had to, I had to reach out to you and get you on the show. Um, but I suppose I usually start with asking my guests what their backstory is, who they are, and what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like me to go straight into that? <laughs> you go into it. We, I'm so excited. <laughs> Thanks, Kelsey. So, yeah, for the last uh, 16 plus years, I've been in the clinical psychotherapy space and nutritional psychology and really specialising in broad gut brain axis connection and really helping people understand the power of the conscious unconscious and also what I love to call our first brain which is our gut um, so two really key things there is just really helping people understand one how their minds work <laughs> which is really important and why we do the things that we do and then secondly, how that gut-brain axis actually uh, is really the most important relationship that we need to really flourish uh, in both mental and physical health. Amazing. I, You literally are preaching to the choir here. <laughs> um, I always <laughs> say that the gut is the first brain, essentially. Um, so if you don't mind, I don't know, maybe defining what is psychotherapy and how that's different to other I suppose traditional, well, not that psychotherapy is not traditional, but other, I mean, yeah, other therapies. Yeah, 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 ab absolutely. So I guess from a psychotherapy point of view, we kind of work in a very different space uh, versus, say, the normal CBT uh, psychological therapy, which, um, you know, quite a long time ago has been debunked as being quite um, a long-term solution of being in therapy, whereas psychotherapy is much faster, a lot more powerful in relation to giving people the access to their conscious and unconscious. So instead of talking about a story all the time, which you may find that your listeners will um, understand when I say this, a lot of my clients who have been in, you know, different types of therapy models involving CBT, um, they just seem to feel like they're talking about the same things over and over and over and nothing really is changing both consciously and energetically and also too from a nervous system point. Um, so, you know, from a psychotherapy point, bringing in the gut-brain axis, which again, as you and I both agree, it's our first brain. Um, most uh, psychology models will never talk about the gut-brain connection with mental and physical health. So um, we bypass all of the story uh, narrative and really give people the power to um, understand the increases of conscious, unconscious, and what your self-image is doing. Amazing. That is so empowering because myself, I have been to specialists under the, so many different specialists and I had been in therapy. I've been in therapies for like 20 plus years and it was just CBT and it was just talking, talking, talking. And, you know, eventually I reached a point where I was like, I need to start walking the talk as well. I mean, in my, in, I don't, I haven't needed to go to therapy um, 
for about two years now, which has been absolutely huge in my life because every other week I was going to <laughs> to therapy. And yeah. I just remember hearing you, um, I don't know if it was you or Dr. Anthony Chafee who said this, but it was on his podcast and he was like, oh, you have a cold. And the doctor says, okay, come and see me once or twice a week for the next 20 years. <laughs> I don't think you were going to. Yeah, that was Anthony. And, um, you know, my philosophy behind it as well is, you know, you just, you can't talk to a starving brain if the, the brain is not being fed. Uh, and especially if the nervous system's not being fed correctly, um, because you're just going to get really in that constant loop, which you would totally understand from what you've just said. Yeah, no, and it makes so much, it's almost like flipping it around a bit because I feel like there's this, and maybe we can speak about this, but there is this mysticism about mental health. And I'm sure you know of Dr. Daniel Amen. Yes, yes, I yeah, do. So yeah. um, he has the most amazing analogy that I've literally spoken about this in pretty much every episode that I've released so far, but like mm-hmm. of the hardware software analogy in that it's almost like, but it's actually not necessarily reverse engineering, I suppose, therapy, but like essentially usually people just think, oh, no, it's, they almost, they split mental and physical health when actually it's obviously all one. Yeah. And as you said, like, you can't heal a starving brain if you're not actually being fed properly. And I don't think many people are aware of that. And I think, yeah, I think you're the best person to be able to raise awareness about this. Yeah, well, you know, a, a long time ago, so, you know, when I started training in this field, um, I also come from a, you know, 20 plus year corporate background as well. So I have kind of that understanding of really watching people's, you know, behaviours in, especially in corporate world and understanding kind of why people did what they did and, you know, why anxiety was prevalent, why depression, you know, why um, these things continually keep happening when if you talk about a story all the time but then you're really not fueling your body correctly and again you're right most psychology models and the the mainstream medical industry do separate the psychological so let's just talk to your head um, and let's just go back and create all the stories and the patterns and the narrative that literally your unconscious is just going, okay, great, we've talked about this for 20 years, but nothing changes. But then you leave and then you go and fuel yourself and your gut with, um, you know, hyper-processed foods or sugars, which are literally depleting all of those important neurotransmitters that we need. So, you know, one important thing for your viewers, or sorry, your listeners, is really to understand that serotonin, love you, know, 97% of the serotonin in our body is made in our gut, not in our brain. So, you know, for me, back 16 years ago, uh, a mentor of mine had said, you know, Natalie, if you ever, ever really want to empower and help people with the full puzzle, you must include nutritional understanding and the nutritional psychology behind that um, and how the body needs to be fed for the mental health to work with physical health. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, essentially, like our bodies are made up of what we eat and what we assimilate from those nutrients. So it makes total sense how you know, what we are feeding our bodies is definitely going to affect our current state of being. And I yeah, one hundred percent. I just want to kind of add in there, and that's please, one of please. the most important important things. Is you know, whenever I uh, am talking to people, you know, they they seek me out. You know, one of the main questions is, you know, 
do you know how your mind works and please tell me what you eat and every single person that I've ever worked with has said no one has ever asked me that um, so you know I, I think it's really empowering to understand that how do you think your body works you know I really help people to um, get really intimate with their body and their gut and you know what what they're eating is is it providing the right nutrients the right amino acids that are then going to convert the, to the right neurotransmitters um, which is dopamine, serotonin, GABA, tryptophan, all of those amazing things that we need um, for our bodies and our brains to actually talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, no, I love this. I think let's let's definitely dive into this now because I did want to ask you, this is like one of my main questions I wanted to ask, but maybe if we can dive deep into how the mind works and how, how we can optimize our gut-brain axis. Yeah, so when we understand how our minds process, both consciously and unconsciously, so really what it is, is if we think about our heads as video cameras as children, so between the age of zero to seven is what I call our precognitive commitment phase. So what that means is we don't actually have the ability to analytically or question anything that is given to us. So anyone in authority to us, you know, parents, siblings, animals, family, friends, even doctors that we see, you know, as, as children, um, anyone in authority to us, we deem that whatever they say uh, is correct. And that's how we form our also our self-image. So consciously that goes through our little eyes which is our video video lens to the world but remembering it's not actually our world it's everyone in authority's world so but we are learning all of those things and that's what we generally end up with as a foundation based on what we've seen heard felt eat smell everything and you don't have that, you know, the ability to go, well, I don't really like that. That doesn't match my value systems because we don't have any at that age. That's where we learn everything from. But by the time you get to 12, you're pretty much your belief structure and your value systems are pretty much set in your unconscious as a part of your self-image. And sadly, welcome to the world's biggest club. Most people are actually programmed with a very negative and poor and conflicted self-image about ourselves because we are we are taught that we must validate externally we must seek and hunt our needs for ourselves externally through other people's thoughts feelings and reactions instead of our own so one I really help people to navigate that conscious and unconscious programming and really if we put a percentage on it, Kelsey, 90% of what we do is in autopilot and that actually mm. drives our value systems and our behaviours every single day, especially when it comes to food because if we talk about nutritional psychology, where do we learn to eat through reward and treat systems? It's as a kid. So, you know, we're, we're taught to if we cry, we fall over, we may get a treat or a lollipop or, you know, eat your dinner or you won't get dessert so we we have some really unhealthy kind of you know foundations that are given to us um in that space sure i'm just also thinking yeah 
Yeah, we learn that. So we have to kind of go, oh, hold on, that's not mine. So as we get older, and this is the thing as I was touching on before, um, you know, a lot of people will say to me like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I just can't help it. I j it. It's just something that I just can't stop myself from doing. And it's nothing to do with willpower, especially when it comes to nutrition, because most hyper-processed foods and junk foods are actually developed to be addicted. Mm. So, you know, we do become very addicted to those things. And that also is connected back to the relationship with ourselves, which a lot of us actually don't know what that is because we're so concerned about the thoughts, feelings and reactions and opinions of everyone outside of ourselves instead of us. Wow, I have so many questions. <laughs> um, I just, I re this past weekend, I actually presented at a conference and my topic that I chose um, was all about just how important it is to basically know yourself and have self-awareness. And um, I, you know, like I, in preparing for this talk, I was just realizing, you know, like obviously people pleasing and suppressing your authenticity is too much of a common phenomenon in this world. Mm -hmm. um, but as well, you also get people who um, I've also just observed in my own life and in also preparation for this, but a lot of people that don't even, they're just completely disconnected. They don't even know what they don't know about themselves. And then, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> no, 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 Karen, I'm, I don't want to interrupt you. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. You you really nailed it there because um, you know we we are taught to go around our emotions instead of feeling and and, th and through them, right? So the relationship with ourselves from an unconscious point rarely actually is even understood because our consciousness is always based on again seeking and hunting validation to be a okay and be a you know a great human being through someone else's lens to the world, which is really slippery slope to be on yeah so I'm, I'm just thinking like practically in your with your um patients and or clients um how how do you go about starting this this journey of i suppose understanding who they are yeah so you know people will follow me for generally a while and a lot of my work is through word of mouth um so Oh, I'm just having a really big storm here. I don't know if you can hear that rain. Hopefully everyone can hear me. <laughs> Sorry about that. I can that. hear you. I can hear you perfectly. Oh, great. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying, like most people will either, you know, word of mouth or kind of watch my work for a little while. And there is a process. So it is around a anywhere from a 12-week uh, to six-month process, depending on each person, because everyone is unique and we must, you know, really value that. Um, and it, it's about teaching people, um, you know, conscious, unconscious processing, you know, what food is as fuel, what you really need to kind of um, understand about what your gut needs. And, you know, um, I'm sure, Kelsey, you're aware, but I'm a very, very big advocate for animal-based uh, nutrition and uh, with a lot of my clients, low carb, but always very heavy on animal-based nutrients because mm. they're the most powerful sources that a human being needs. So it, it really is a lot of education uh, with, with my clients because, again, they've been in therapy, they've done the, you know, let's come in and talk once a week for 10 years, and that's just really soul-destroying, um, yeah. you know, for a very yeah. long time. Yeah, I, I totally relate to that so, 
so 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 powerfully um and like on that I'd, why why is there a need in the human body i suppose for animal based nutrition like how does yeah. even just protein how does that and fat how does that relate to optimal mental and physical health so again we've just got to go back to you know as a human species we are a species and every single species on the planet has an appropriate way of eating so unfortunately though with humans um you know we've obviously been driven by our taste buds and we we get told that moderation is the key and which I totally don't agree with. Moderation is a very, very dangerous uh, path to go down because you can get moderately addicted and moderately have some diseases like type 2 diabetes, for example. So again, it's about consciously understanding where did you learn those behaviours and those thoughts. Um, animal protein, so when we talk about bioavailability, so for example, with meat, red meat mainly, uh, and it's not by accident that, you know, nature always delivers us what we need. It has the most nine amino acids in it that actually we need to convert into the user tra- neurotransmitters for our gut, so in, into our GI tract for our body to absorb and convert those nine amino acids into the neurotransmitters such as dopamine, serotonin, uh, tryptophan, which is a precursor to serotonin, which is found in meat. And it's the most dense way of eating. So what I mean by that also with the fat, again, saturated fat is not bad for you and, you know, cholesterol is needed in the body and, you know, dietary cholesterol is um, something that a lot of people are fearful of. But um, cholesterol and, you know, mental health go hand in hand. The less cholesterol you have, the more mental health and uh, physical health uh, declines. So, Again, it keeps you full, keeps you satiated for a very long time, and your brain is fat. So, you know, when we think about the whole low-fat dietary kind of guidelines that came in many, many, many years ago, uh, we're getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and, you know, autoimmune diseases are going through the roof. Type 2 diabetes is becoming the norm, um, which is totally reversible through food. It is a lifestyle Uh, illness and we have moved away really from what what we need so animal based protein is the most bioavailable versus plant protein Um, it's just the way it is it's just that science (laughs) yeah I mean it's basic biochemistry as well Um, but I think that's a very just a very significant point to highlight in that for our neurotransmitters and I'm this is very, very high level, but in order for our, in order for us to have strong, adequate neurotransmitters in our body, we need protein to do so because amino acids are the precursors for neurotransmitters. Just what am 100%. I correct? Okay. Correct. And then 100%. Also, yeah, you mentioned earlier that about 97% of serotonin is produced in the gut. Yes. Which makes gut health even that more essential and important. And I mean, even myself, I am just because we know the gut-brain connection. Mm. But I know many, many people do have gut issues from IBS to an array of IBD issues. I, I feel like, would you say there isn't a complete increase in gut issues? 100%. Um, you know, the thing is, is if we look at most people's dietary intake, uh, it is coming from generally sugar, 
hyper-processed foods that do not have the, the right amino acids to be able to convert those neurotransmitters. And secondly, seed oils. So seed oils, meaning sunflower, canola, anything that's basically uh, made in a factory should not be eaten. In a plastic <laughs> bottle. <laughs> Correct, correct. You got paflates in then as well. Um, you know, seed oils are highly inflammatory to the body and do cause GI issues. And if we think about the level of increase of IBS and gastrointestinal issues, um, there's no, you know, it's it's not not by accident when we look at what what people are mainly consuming, and it's the same with cereals. Um, cereals are not foods they're, they're just sugar and they'll have you on an insulin roller coaster all day and that's the problem you know we're not designed as humans again we've got to kind of understand where we learnt this from and we've learnt this from very 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 wealthy big food companies that spend billions of dollars on getting that bliss point right in processed foods for you to become addicted. So, you know, where I was saying earlier, most people are like, I just don't have the willpower. It's like, it's not willpower. You're actually addicted because that's your body's dopamine reactions being hit every single time you eat processed foods. It's not by accident. They're designed to make you addicted. Yeah. Whereas if you start actually looking at, you know, with animal protein, um, you eat it and, and you just become satiated. You don't crave anything. Your brain loves it. Your body loves it. Uh, and it's really just getting back to that human species, proper human diet. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I always say that food is information for the body and food yeah. naturally found in nature is food that our human bodies know how to assimilate and digest and I also I don't necessarily consider ultra processed foods food I really don't They're no just, it's food like chemicals substance. yeah exactly <laughs> um I just want to backtrack a bit to just back to the cholesterol I mean cholesterol is so yes. important not only for the body but like I mean obviously for the body but like specifically hormonal health as well yeah. and I'm totally butchering this I'm not a doctor but I've really <laughs> spent a lot of time <laughs> reading and researching and um, essentially like the cholesterol number firstly you can't just look at your total cholesterol you need to look at the breakdown of LDL HDL triglycerides and then like the HDL to trig ratio is probably the most important um, thing to consider with regards to cholesterol um, correct but like I, I think it was yesterday um, that doctor uh, from the UK, he's like, uh, he's, I see my whole yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. He was explaining. I'm, I'm definitely butchering this, but he was explaining that usually we, when we go test our cholesterol, it's obviously a fasted um, test. Um, yes. And just going back to dietary cholesterol, so like people will say, for example, don't eat red meat because of the saturated fat, which actually. If you look at the um, breakdown of fat composition of red meat, most of it, about 50%, is actually monounsaturated fat, which yes. is the same type of fat in olive oil. Um, yeah. Anyway, but dietary fat doesn't necessarily increase total, like your cholesterol. And if, like, that short bit of increase, it only lasts for about an hour postprandial. So the, the cholesterol that you're actually testing when you're in a fasted state is not actually anything related to your diet. The dietary cholesterol. 
Yeah, and and you know, Asima Holter is you know one of the UK's best leading cardiologists. Um, and I was you know had the pleasure of actually uh, watching a debate with him along with Dr. Chafee actually on Were you the there? cholesterol. Yeah, I was there. Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll send it to you so you can have a look. Have you seen it? I haven't actually seen it, but I think I yeah. I would love to put the link in the show notes for everyone to go and watch. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll, I'll shoot you through the link. Um, it's it's brilliant. And yes, you are correct. So um, it's also to the particle size. So, you know, again, mainstream media, uh, sorry, mainstream um, medical have been given, you know, a, a marker and that's kind of what they stick to, but it's not actually the real true story. Um, and again, you know, when we talk about cholesterol with the amount of research that's now available with mental health and have low cholesterol and the amount of statin overuse that's been subscribed, we've just got to go back to, you know, the early 1960s when, you know, those uh, Harvard professors were paid off to blame saturated fat on heart disease and to say that sugar was okay. So, again, got to scratch the surface and understand that, you know, it's all about profit. It's not about health. And when you think about how long animal-based nutrition has been around for millions of years, um, you know, you've got to really understand, hold on, what's the narrative here and why are we vilificating meat when it actually is the most powerful thing that you know, human beings need? Mm. Um, and, it is about also making sure that if you go down an animal-based way of eating, you know, it is going to ruffle some feathers with people because they're always coming from belief structures of exactly what you just said. You know, oh, you're going to die from eating all that meat and oops, you're going to die if you don't eat a plant. Like I'm, I haven't eaten plants for nearly two and a half years now. So I'm also carb-free. I'm full animal-based nutrition, which is what we call a carnival. Um, and, you know, again, Every single colleague that I work with and doctors that I do are the same. They're carnivores, they're plant-free, and they don't eat carbs either. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, I think obviously, as you know, everyone is on their own personal journeys. But I yeah. think the one thing that I really like, I think we should highlight is just in the human yeah. diet, the importance of eating bioavailable forms of protein for, for mental yeah. health and also adequate fat because – the brain is also mostly made up of fat. And yeah. as we spoke about right in the beginning, if your brain is starved of nutrients, essential nutrients, which by the way, the human body, we only have essential fatty acids and essential amino acids. And you get that right. in the most bioavailable form from animal protein. And as you also mentioned, this is how we evolved as a human species. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just, if you're in a space where you are struggling right now. I mean, I also with my friends and I've ha read many, many an anecdotes as well, like just implementing some pro animal protein and fats into your diet can make such significant change to your overall mental health. And in a way, this is so empowering because it completely demystifies mental health <laughs> in that there is an underlying biological, um, I suppose, phenomenon happening that is always at play in your body and if you can begin to address those things you actually become more empowered and that you're actually not broken 100 percent. and you know whenever i kind of 
work with anyone that comes to me and you know they they have a threshold limit where they're like you know what I, I've been on these drugs and it's not working and you know I'm this is my diet and it is full of sugar and processed foods and you know they're they're ready uh, to go hold on I really need to understand why my serotonin is depleting well it's because of what we're eating and again there's just a research study that just came out about three weeks ago that really again demystified that narrative around serotonin chemical imbalance in the brain um i'll also send you that too kelsey so yes i was i was going to bring it up in this interview i don't know if you want to elaborate (laughs) on it please i was it was questions so basically the study um went through the the long-term narrative around the fact that SSRIs were required to help people with depression that had chemical imbalances in the brain. So again, even back as far as 16 years ago when I started in this work, I would always say, well, how do we know that? Like, was there a test done? Because every single person is different, right? And our uptake of what we need is different. Um, And I just kind of obviously followed that very closely but also understood that the connection is with food because food is medicine so real food is medicine um so the research study basically came out and said that the narrative that has been run for what 30 plus years um has no substance at all so it's a very very eye-opening uh article that states that SSRIs, um, now in some cases, people will need to go on four or five different ones again. Uh, but again, if you're eating a very hyper-sugar hyper processed food diet on top of that, kind of doesn't take a rocket science to understand probably what's going on. Um, and it, it's, I guess, something that we really need to understand again. This has made millions and millions and millions of dollars based in not actual real depth of science yeah i was i was gonna bring i mean i myself have also tried i was on a lot of different antidepressants and medications and i had severe side effects especially when i was trying to wean myself off of them um i haven't been on medication um since 2015 although there was a bout in during lockdown where i i sort of because I'd been dead adamant since 2015 that I was not going to go back on medication because yeah. I had such yeah. terrible side effects, which I think we can get into for sure. I mean, all yeah. medications have side effects, yeah. <laughs> statins yes. including. Yeah, they do. Yes. <laughs> um, and um, I don't know if anyone wants to research their own, but Dr. Chris Palmer from Harvard, he yes. speaks a lot about the the metabolic <laughs> manifestations and side effects of these antidepressants. But anyway... Uh, I reached a really, really bad spot in the middle of lockdown, which was actually probably the be- the biggest blessing in disguise. And um, that wasn't, I hadn't necessarily been eating enough protein and enough fats. Mm-hmm. Um, as I spoke to you, mentioned in the pre-chat, um, I come from a background of like severe anorexia and bulimia. So, you know, I was still fearful of calories and whatnot. Of course, yeah. Which yeah. right now in hindsight, I so grateful to be in this position of being of being able to like refute that completely but yeah yeah yeah. but I reached such a bad spot where I was like I'm desperate 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 for some sort of emotional release and Mm. I actually you know I did I had made a pact to myself that from 2015 I would never go back on medication but it reached a point where I was like I actually don't I actually feel so helpless right now so I tried another stunt of medication terrible it made me even, mm. it was Worse. awful. I was like, even, I felt actually 
totally out of my body, like completely disassociated. Um, yeah. I, my body, I mean, I even respond to a panado, which is like a paracetamol. Like <laughs> my body yeah, is yeah, super, yeah. super sensitive. Anyway, so that was great because I needed to have that final experience. And then after that, I started learning about how the mind works as well, educating myself through podcasts and research. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then and then I... I learned that I need amino acids and I need essential fatty acids. And I sort of biohacked my way into health. And I swear the minute that I had like red meat and fat, it was like a switch just turned on into my, in my brain. And ever since then I haven't been able to look back. Um, Yeah. And that's what my clients say, Kelsey, exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. It's, it's, you know, it as I'll just kind of you know talk about Chris Palmer too, who I totally and utterly just love. He's just such a brilliant man, and also Dr. Georgia Ede. You know, yes. Um, the the power of getting your brain working in ketones and into ketosis, um, you know, is literally like a, a thousand light bulbs going off in your head, right? So it, it's something that I'll always say to my clients who. Um, have experienced exactly what you have had, you know, in the past around kind of weaning themselves off medication and really, really trusting that protein and fat ratio and trusting your body. Um, Because I think too, we're also led to believe, you know, that we, we fear our bodies sometimes and, you know, we really don't give them the power that they actually have, but we have to also help them, right? Yeah. We have to understand, you know, like when you're, when you're going to eat, like, what do you, do you understand what the reaction is? And if you eat processed foods all day, well, you, you're not going to feel too good and you are going to be anxious and you are going to be depressed. So the other thing is our bodies are depressed, right? Because we're not getting the right nutrients and dense nutrients. And we're also eating way too many times a day. We're not meant to be eating five, six times every three hours. You know, that's that's not what we're meant to do. We're meant to be in a fast and fed state naturally. Um, but we need to feed ourselves correctly. We really do. Yeah, that's you've I, so much I want to unpack. And I did want to bring this up earlier, but um, just in terms of like demystifying mental health and also mm. just empowering the individual like again you're not broken um there's always a root cause for everything yeah. like I feel like um more often than not we are just putting band-aids over a band-aid like over mm-hmm. like a cut but we're not actually getting to the root cause of things and I just want to like also highlight the body's powerful ability that when you're when you put the body into the correct environment and into the right like your body can heal itself like 100 percent. yep and and you're right like no one is broken and there's nothing wrong with us we just have not actually been given the the tools and the strategies to understand instead of treating all those symptoms so for example when someone says oh, i've had anxiety or i've got this or i've got this or i've got this i'm like that's great they're symptoms of a deep root cause issue which is actually linked back to your unconscious self-image and your gut so it, it is a very simple thing to hear but then also it's about making sure that our identity actually comes along with it because the other thing that happens is you know we're always recording we're always being programmed 
24 hours, you know, seven days a week. And we're just overlaying and overlaying on thoughts, feelings, and reactions that feel the same. And we we build a very strong, generally a negative neural pathway, which becomes familiar. And stepping into the unfamiliar is 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 not what your body or your mind likes. It likes familiarity, even if it's not you know, helping you or it's actually harming you. Um, so it's about making some gaps and spaces with people to actually get them from that really negative neural pathway, understand what their unconscious looks like, what their self-image looks like, and actually also tapping in on what food is. Like, you know, what what is the comfort? Is it emotion? Is it going through the, the emotion with food? That's okay. Let's understand why. Get to the root cause. What does it look like? Consciously, a lot of people think that they know what it is, but when I work with people, it's never, ever, ever what they think it is. <laughs> it's quite, yeah. it's quite amazing. Yeah, sure. I <laughs> there's so much I want to unpack right now. Um, I, I mean, I'm very outspoken about. I very, I very much dislike labels and diagnoses because mm-hmm. usually what happens is someone takes on that label. Let's say someone says, "Oh, you've got depression or you've got generalized anxiety disorder," then they internalize that perception of themselves and they take on that label. And I've I've I think it was through Amber O'Hearn, which is another great resource yes, for people. Yes. Um, I don't know if it was her herself, but she was speaking about clients who they were diagnosed with bipolar. However, it was actually dysregulated blood glucose. And the Well she actually had bipolar too. Yes. She actually reversed that. Yeah. Yes, which we can if you want, we can definitely elaborate on the relation between blood sugar and mood and how that Mm. is um, at play but just going back to I strongly dislike labels because at the end of the day we're just humans trying to survive and it goes back again to the point that you're not broken I feel like Mm. this is there is such unfortunately a huge like mysticism attached to mental health and really what I'm trying to highlight is that it's the I want to demystify that yeah and we actually have come with a lot of hidden yeah, we do. We absolutely do. And we we um, are programmed with, you know, the, the minute that we hear mental health or, uh, you know, that's why I don't use the word mental illness because I don't believe in that. Um, there is, you know, deeper root cause issues, as we've said before, especially around insulin resistance as a long-term thing. You know, Ben Bickman talks about that a lot. So does Chris Palmer. Um, but again, when we talk about our self-image and we build that connection to that identity of I have depression or I have anxiety, um, what happens is, yeah, you become associated with that. And especially if you've been told that, oh, that's in your family. So that's just, oh, that's just what you're going to get. That's actually not true. Um, Again, it comes back to going most of the time when we are presented with all of the facts of what the root causes are and that opens up I guess a whole new neural pathway of positivity and a new way of being a lot of people have no idea who they are on the other side of that without all of those labels so again it's making sure that you know we've got one foot in familiarity for a little while and you know associated with that but then also we we have to step out into the unfamiliar and recreate the energetic new pathways without all of those labels and the best way to do that and this is going to sound really strange but once you start fueling your gut correctly 50% of the symptoms that most people walk around with reverse. That is, uh, can you say that again? 
because <laughs> so so when you start feeding your body properly with animal-based nutrition and fat over 50 percent of the symptoms that most people will come to me with will reverse and that's because you're you're taking away all the inflammatory triggers in your environment and in your body. I mean, yes, there is also inner size to do. So it's not, you know, food, food is not going to be the only thing. Looking at your nutrition is not the only answer. Like there are many pillars of health, but that is so empowering to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> not one, and I see it every day. <laughs> yeah. Not one specialist, psychologist, therapist, no one ever asked me what am I eating and yeah. the minute mm. that I gave my body the essential nutrients that it needs, <laughs> it was, it's, it's, yeah, it, it was, it was profound. And I think it, that's, it is. yeah. And, and the other thing too, you know, when we talk about different pathways of health and, you know, sleep is, is one of the most crucial things that we, we must, we must, must get, because otherwise, if we don't, we operate in a state of cortisol response, which again is stress hormone. So, you know, that's why a lot of people get really stuck down on themselves when, you know, they're trying to force their body to lose weight and do calorie restrictions and all of those kind of things. But if you're not sleeping, your body's really smart. It's like, well, hold on. I need to hold on to some of this because I'm stressed and I can't, I can't support you if I'm trying to do 5,000 things at once. Mm. Right. So again, it's sleep, now, how do we get good sleep? We make sure that we're not in hyper sugar insulin response all the time and our bodies aren't operating on sugar. Uh, so that's one key thing that I find when people say to me, they start reducing all of that and up the protein and up the fat. They're like, wow, I'm sleeping like I've never slept before. I'm like, amazing. And then that also helps, guess what? The body not being depressed, you not being anxious. It all yeah. goes together and... Same with movement. Um, you know, movement is such a good thing just for bone health, muscle health. Um, if you love walking, running, tennis, do whatever that brings you joy, but you just got to move your body. Um, so there's all different, you know, foundations of self-love and self-care, um, you know, that I work with people. And yeah. a lot of it is meditation, stillness, breathing. You know, are you breathing? You know, where is your conscious mind today? Because our minds also too, really important thing for your listeners is to understand that your mind will always operate either in the past or in the future, all day, every day. It's because we're not conscious. So I help people become very, very, very conscious in their thinking and bringing them back to now. Mm. So even if you think about, you know, what you're, when you go to bed, I want people to think about, what is the last thought that they have in their mind before they go to sleep? Now, generally, it's something quite negative or that's caused a bit of stress during the day, which is already in the past. So you're actually yeah. going to sleep in the past, which then creates cortisol and stress and anxiety. You're not going to sleep very well, but you're also retraining that neural pathway to do that. So we actually condition ourselves without actually realizing we're conditioning ourselves. But if you're actually operating also on a sugar-based diet, that's going to exacerbate that. Yeah. So it's about really teaching people to go, hold on, where am I right now? Am I in the past? Am I in the future? What am I holding on to? And how to release that pretty quickly. Yeah. And I mean, doing the work is not as sexy as taking a poll, but essentially you like 
can't just keep putting band-aid or, like over band-aid if if you can get to a place in your life where you're present and conscious and almost I don't know you've got a grips of your mind and you understand how it works it is probably the most rewarding gift you could ever give yourself and yeah. like it just makes total sense because how how can you not know the vessel in which you live in which is your home and your body yeah you know and this is the thing like when when people really understand that their mind's not out to get them you know their mind's their mind's not out to harm them and it, once you understand exactly the so your mind's a process that that's what it is it, it's like a hardware it's like a computer it, it literally processes yes there's neuroplasticity and that's why we can go from neural pathways of negativity into learning new neural pathways but the energy behind them generally is isn't very big to start with right because we've conditioned ourselves to be so negative all the time and once people really go whoa i actually have the keys here now i actually understand what i can do instead of kind of being at the mercy of the servant or the unconscious and all of that programming but again value systems will drive our behavior and most of the time when i work with people's value systems one they don't really even know what they are two a lot of the time they're not even ours. They're being given to us in that precognitive commitment phase. So we have to change them because a lot of the time they don't serve us very well. Yeah. And it is it's it is difficult to be very honest with yourself and it's difficult to also, and I feel like in a world where, as you mentioned, we grew up, you know, everything was an external locus of control. We always had to reach externally for validation and yeah. Uh, same too, like along with that, we we always blame everything external to ourselves. And it's very, it takes a very <laughs> stoic person to own up and see that they actually have firstly more power than they think that they do. And also they've got responsibility. Um, that's a very good point that you've sort of alluded to. But yeah. and like, yeah. It's not being triggered left, right and center from everything externally. Like once you understand that you literally can be very conscious and be very aware of hold on no one will do anything to you unless you open the door and allow it uh but again you know if you've got your body firing on like all different cylinders because it's starving as in it's not being fed the right nutrients trying to bridge that gap is really difficult and that's why i was saying before um, you know, most psychology models is you'll just go and talk and then you'll go home and you'll still eat the same bad diet and you'll wonder why nothing really feels different. Yeah. And I mean, also like <laughs> the calorie counters may hate me and come for me, but like the quality <laughs> of the calories, <laughs> the quality yep. it makes more of a difference. Like it's basic biochemistry. Every different macronutrient has a different hormonal effect on the body. And if it's a carb, a fat, or a protein that has different responses in the body. I mean, also the fact if a, if, a, if the source of calorie is from an ultra-processed food, that's information our body does not understand and does not know how to, I suppose. Correct, and it'll just it. keep sending signal hunger signals, and then we actually lose actually a sense of what real hunger is, right? Yeah. So yeah. again, you know, if people say to me, oh, my gosh, you know, I just want to eat something at 4, at 4 p.m., you know, I'll go grab a muffin. I'm like, well, great that's just going to keep you hungry for the next five hours. So, you know, but again, it's being really clear on, yeah, calories in, calorie out. Again, we don't, it's not, 
it, it's one of those things I think with social media we we or Instagram influences things like that. Um, you know, if you're if you're weighing your food and you're calorie counting, you're not eating the right food. Yeah. Um, again, depending on if you are an athlete, but again, you know, I know heavy based athletes that don't count calories, they don't eat carbs, and all they do is eat animal protein, and they'll eat until they're full, and they'll stop when they're not right. Um, and again, that's what our bodies are designed to do. But we have so much food-like substances in our trolleys and we wonder why we're getting mentally sicker and physically sicker. It's it's not by accident. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who said this, but a lot of people are overfed but undernourished. And that yes. goes back to, you know, the quality of calories. And I just know specifically in the eating disorder space, and I did want to actually mm. – I wanted to ask you as a yeah. professional in the field, but um, – Firstly, there's a big thing about eating in moderation and intuitive eating in the eating disorder space. And there's also, you know, there should be no fear of food. So I'm just thinking like yeah. I'm putting myself back to when I was in hospital and when I was in a clinic and obviously specifically mm. because they're, you know, treating eating disorders. And if if I had a magic wand, I would wave it over clinic settings for eating yeah. disorders specifically because, you know, going in line with that there should be no fear foods. We are on a sugar roller coaster in a clinic. Yeah. And I'm just thinking – like we know <laughs> the inflammatory response of high sugars, ultra processed foods, like mentally when you are experiencing something as traumatic as an eating disorder or anything, which for me, I've just described it as a state of the most severe anxiety of my life. Mm -hmm. That's not going to help my mind and my body stabilize and not feel so anxious by giving me continuous sugar. like <laughs> sugar and, and these inflammatory seed oils, because again, there should be no fear foods. And I just wanted to, I mean, I have my own opinions and I recently interviewed Ryan Mitchell Brown. I don't know if you know him, but he also no. himself, he also um, triumphed over anorexia and orthorexia. Um, he's also a coach. Um, anyway, so he, yeah, him and I were just speaking about this and I just wanted to hear, you know, as a psychotherapist. Yeah. Your thoughts. So, when I I have a lot of clients that have what I call disordered eating, um, so when we trace that back, it does actually come back to a lot of the time that precognitive commitment phase of where we learn and how we hear about food, and if we've had you know a mum or dad that was very driven by you know don't eat that that'll make you fat, all the language patterns behind food and one self-image so a lot of the time that's where it starts and that's where it's embedded so again it comes back to a very negative self-image and the only space sometimes for people which can be linked in trauma depending on what that looks like sounds like feels like for somebody so for example you know people that may have had um, you know, sexual abuse in the past, they can actually either go the opposite, they can have a disordered eating or they can go the other way. So that's a protection mechanism and that's the only thing that they can control. However, a lot of it also comes back to long-term nutritional deficiencies. So again, if you're not fed properly as a child, so again, Again, depending on generation. So with me, I was in, you know, I was in the 70s. So, you know, protein was pretty much, you know, the norm then. But now um, it's not so normal. So I'll always try and hear the language patterns and the associations with what things look like, sound like, feel like. Um, but normally 
majority of my people that I work with, it'll all come back to a very, very negative self-image and using an external source, whether it's food, alcohol, drugs, to feed and fuel that pain. So it's all pain. Yeah. But I find that when I let people understand the root cause of that and they can see it and feel it and, and we, we shift that value of self, then start feeding yourself with protein and fat, uh, things significantly change. Like I've worked with um, many vegans who have had kind of disordered eating and never thought that they would step into food freedom and, you know, they've literally been low-carb, high-protein eaters now for over two years and not one sign of any disordered eating and have food freedom that they never thought that they would get. Sure, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I think specifically with addiction, like I mean, this word moderation and even balance is such a, it's a marketing even, tool. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 learnt those things. That's from that's actually it's funny. I I just wrote a post actually on you know moderation is BS <laughs> because again, you know what that does it again it depends on the person's self-image right so moderation from my perspective it doesn't exist because if you're having moderate amount of chocolate and moderate amount of biscuits every day what does that mean you know if you're having one and then you're addicted then you'll have the whole packet and then you'll punish yourself the next day or you'll just be in your head for hours and your yeah. body will be chaotic because you're feeding your body with quite chaotic food as well mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just thinking of my dad, and he's probably the only person. No, maybe, maybe my brothers. I think there's a very few. I don't know. Very. I just feel like there are very few people who say that like they can just moderate easily, and I think it's just different how our brains are wired differently. I'm not denying that there are people who can moderate, but for someone like me, I'm definitely like. I mean, I'm just thinking of an alcoholic, like. You wouldn't yeah, tell yeah, an alcoholic you can't moderate. You, you can have moderate <laughs> amounts of alcohol. Well, like yeah, exactly, Kelsey. Yeah, it's a heroin addict like, or someone that's addicted to cocaine. You can have a moderate amount of cocaine. Mm, no, that if you are addicted to food as in sugar or whatever it is, you have to stop. It's That's it. You have to stop. So it's the same with someone that smokes. You wouldn't just say to someone, oh, you can have a moderate amount of cigarettes. Yeah. Nope. That's not good for your health. Yeah. It's also like you're either pregnant or you're not. Like there's no yeah. – yeah. I, I think similar it's, again, just reiterating that you are not broken. Like you're just no. a human trying – it's all about self-exploration. And also like sort of like I suppose rounding this sort of topic up, but like nothing yeah. is insignificant. Like there's always a reason. No. Again, I'm speaking to the de – like – I'm trying to demystify mental health. It doesn't just pop up yeah. out of nowhere. And again, we're not invalidating life experience. And but yeah, I think what I'm trying to just try and normalize the concept of being a human and depression, anxiety, sadness. You're not broken if you experience those emotions and feelings. Like those are healthy, normal emotions yeah. to have. Obviously, it, people experience them on a chronic level. Then it, you know, but that's coming from a place, and it's it's not like a passive state of oh, it just happened, and you have this chemical imbalance. But there are things that you can do, and we can look at your how you're living your life, because how you live your life, how you live your days, is essentially how yeah. you're going to live your life. Well, and habits, you know, I always talk to people about 
their habits. And again, we learn unhealthy habits, which have a strong neural pathway development process to them, but you can actually learn new habits, which, you know, don't have to be big things. So that's the other thing um, I want people to kind of really understand too, is you don't have to do massive big things every day. It's it's always a little tiny steps that create the bigger energy behind them. So we've also got to remember we're energetic beings, you know, and your emotions are really, really important. And if you're really, you know, I'll always say to someone, if they say to me, look, I feel sad all the time, I'm like, okay, great. Let's look at what that looks like, sounds like, feels like from your unconscious, but also to what's going on in your body. You know, tell me what you're eating. Because I tell you what, if you're eating food-like substances, yeah, you're going to feel pretty sad. It yeah. all goes together. But again, I loved what you said just a little while ago there is, you know, it's really the powerful ownership of how amazingly capable our brains, our minds and our bodies actually are when given the right environment. Mm. But again, it comes back to a very, very strong self-image of positivity and a very strong relationship with yourself to be able to start that process because Again, when you start on a new pathway and especially when you start eating a new way of eating, so all I say, it's always a lifestyle choice. This is not a diet. You know, that that's a programming mentality. It's about eating what is appropriate for your thriving health, not just to survive. Yeah. Anyone externally to you will generally have a thought, feeling, opinion, or reaction. So, if you don't have a very solid foundation and able to say yes to you, sometimes that where people can get a little bit wobbly and they'll mm. go, oh, you know, I can't eat that when I'm out because someone might say something. I'm like, are you in your body or are they in your body? Yeah. You know, and I bet, so. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I just think I always say to people, like, if you have a problem, like, how would you, if a, a young girl or your young self came to you with that same problem, how would you respond to them? And I bet you, you wouldn't tell them, no, you have to suppress what you really want to do to, to please other people. Yeah. No. And I always say, you know, what what's on your plate and what you're doing within your own body and for your mental and physical health, you know, it, it's not open to a community project of thoughts, feelings, and reactions and opinions. And, you know, I know people come generally from a space of love. However, given that I understand, you know, unconscious overlaying behaviours, a lot of people unconsciously overlay themselves onto you because mm. of their own relationship with themselves and their own relationship with the way they eat. And, you know, it's the same thing when you're at a work party or, you know, there's a cake going around and someone's like, oh, just have a piece of cake, it won't kill you. It's like, well, I don't want the cake. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and be okay with that, not feel like you have to mould into society's pressure of yeah. doing something that you really, really, really don't want to do. Yeah. I feel like Hippocrates is so right when he said, let food be yeah. thy medicine. And again, if you think yes. of food as information, what you're feeding yourself and nourishing yourself with is, you know, it's it's like your medicine. View it as, as this is your dose. This is you know what time of day you have to take it and in that yes. regard it also completely yeah for me it just relinquished a whole lot of emotional attachment to food as well mm. like the minute that I started learning about the biochemistry of food and how it affects the body and what the body needs like that completely helped me overcome 
this complete emotional mysticism also attached to food that I had built up yeah. in my own in my own in my own head. So yeah, in that regard, knowledge is totally totally power. It, it is, and I think you know um, most people are only operating on literally five percent of their capability of really understanding what what what's possible. Um, and you know, really let's understand how your mind works, why it's doing what it's doing, where did you learn those things? Let's learn how to change them, but also understand that first gut brain connection is yeah. the most powerful thing that you can do. Yeah. And I mean it makes total sense. It's really just zooming out and going back to the basics. And I feel mm. like in the in the in the world now where it's so easy to just prescribe a medication and there's so many different trends popping up here and there in, in any aspect of life, it's like so easy to just forget about the fundamentals and that puts us in such a disempowered state but like as you say like to begin to realize of how powerful we are and like I mean I often have thought in I'm just thinking of how I used to be when I was in a really really bad space space mentally but like uh, you know like what is the secret like what is the secret and essentially like at where I am now it really comes back to like knowing who you are understanding who you are and then knowing how to nourish every part of who you are like it's not actually that more it's not actually complicated at all it it isn't and you know um it, it all does come back to again you know loving yourself and again in that pre-cognitive commitment phase we don't learn that we really have to learn how to love ourselves and what that means for us and you know eating is a form of love it's a form of self-respect it's a form of understanding that you can become more powerful with understanding what you need, uh, both mentally and physically. Um, and I guess one of the biggest things is, you know, we've always heard that you can't reverse depression, you can't reverse anxiety, you've just got to live with it, which is just not true. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many people that, that, you know, as you've just said, you know, uh, Amber Hearn, she was told that her type 2 bipolar would she have to live with it for the rest of her life and she went animal based and she hasn't had it now for what 12 years so and, and she's just not you know not the only one there's mm. thousands and thousands of people um you know, even my own clients and again having food freedom allows people to understand the feedback to kelsey of of how powerful food is so once you really dial into that human species uh way of eating for you know, thriving mental and physical health, um, you really just don't want anything else because you understand how powerful that is and how that feels. Um, I'll just share actually a client of mine. She's actually in Riyadh, which is just in, in Saudi Arabia, but she's actually Italian and had that kind of background of, you know, breads and pastas and all those kind of things. And, you know, she was very severely depressed and had lots of anxiety and that all disappeared within a six-month process. And then, you know, she went out and she had some sourdough bread and she was like, oh, I'll just give it a go. Four days later, very flat, very depressed. So she understood, hold on, whoa, that that's not good for me. <laughs> yeah. And everybody so, has, we all have our own list of foods that are triggers and foods that we can tolerate. Yeah. It's all about Absolutely. finding finding it all. That's that's very interesting. Sure. It's 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 about respecting the feedback, right? And going, wow, that's how that made me feel. It made yeah. me feel tired. It made me feel anxious. Go great. Guess what? Mm. 
what amazing feedback you've had from your body. Love it for that. Yeah, it's such a learning experience. It also gives you the choice, you know, like if you're yeah. at, if you're um, in a situation where you have the choice to eat it or not, you can be like, I know what the repercussions are, do <laughs> I, like weigh out the pros and the cons. Like, yeah, yeah it's very, sure. I, it's very I'm powerful. Very, so powerful. <laughs> and it's so, I don't know, I, I love, like reframing it as just being curious with yourself and just being an in- investigator, like self-experiment. Yeah. Like no one will know yourself, even with psychiatrists and prescribing medication. Like no one, we don't know <laughs> what how your body's going to respond no. with this medication. It's all trial and error, and it's all a learning curve, and it's a lifelong journey, and it's probably the most rewarding. Yes, yes, it is. It's it, when when what I love is watching people really understand the power that they have at the end of their fingertips um yeah and you know them coming back to me and saying oh my gosh like I have never ever felt like this I'm like great how amazing what what amazing choices you have done Mm. so you know it's yeah it's just I'm I'm doing my dream work amazing (laughs) it's so inspiring it's it's honestly so inspiring I had such a pertinent point that I wanted to bring up but I can't remember it and I am weary of your time um but before before I ask you um your last question where can people find you or if I don't know if you are taking on any more clients if anyone wants to work with you yeah yeah amazing so uh you can find me at my website so it's natalieewest.com and I'll send I'll send Kelsey all the the show notes so it's there uh now I also am offering um so what I do do I have like an intro discovery call with people which they can book in 30 minute call for me it's free of charge because I really just kind of want to have a chat see where you're at um people can do that through my website uh, you can also follow me on Instagram on natalie.e.west and you can DM me there as well if you're interested in in booking in one of those intro calls um, and also on Facebook, so Natalie West. But, yeah, it's um, you'll find me from one to the other. I'll, you know, bounce around. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. I, if I remember this point, I will record it in, yes. the, in the outro. But um, so you earlier were speaking about loving yourself and this inspired yes. the last question. And <laughs> what does it mean to you to love yourself and how does it look like for you? Ah, beautiful question. So loving myself for me is really sticking to my self-care foundation. So that's movement. So I weight train. As I've said before, I I eat extremely well for myself. So high high animal protein diet. I meditate. Um, I do things with my my family and my friends, but I also am very kind of how I speak to myself. So I'm very conscious and training myself to be uh, very aware of how I speak, the way I speak, and the energy behind that. And it always comes from a space of gentleness and care. And, um, you know, every time I meditate, I always say that I'm very proud of myself and that I love who I am and, and what I'm becoming. Yeah. Sure. That is so inspiring and so important. It is so important because, again, if you had to just – hear your voice and if you were saying the things you say to yourself to anyone else I don't think uh, you wouldn't have many friends you'd be a you would be a very mean person a big bully 
yeah, you would. And this is the thing. You were going to be gentle with ourselves. And, you know, we're, we're all learning. And, and I just hope that anyone that's listening to this, you know, just be be kind, you know. And if, if you don't feel good about yourself, there is always a door for you to, you know, to yeah. step into. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not alone, guys, no, out there no, in podcast land. No, no one is alone. And we not all have all. our we all have our stories and our journeys um I remember yeah yeah I was just gonna say you know we we have a past and we all do and it's a matter of understanding um how how much of that is going to impact us you know for the rest of our lives and one one critical thing uh again is understanding that your mind will always shoot from the from the past into the future so it's about really understanding hold on I've got to be very, very conscious and creation of what I am doing. And, and it all starts from within. We all have yeah. it, um, but we also have to realise, hold on, the past is the story and we have every new ability to build a new one. Mm. I can't help myself but just say this as well. But like, because oftentimes like people just think, oh, why won't my mind shut up? Like, like why? Why can't I stop ruminating? Why do I have all these negative thoughts? Like, also, you toxic positivity and just telling yourself, no, just be happy, just be happy. That's also quite toxic. And Caroline Leaf, which is another, she's another yes, great resource. Yes. Um, she has Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess as her podcast. Um, like, anyway, but like what I was trying to say is that like these ruminating thoughts are inbuilt in us. Like ancestrally, our brains, we learned the hard way, like, Mm. Our brains always wanted to keep us safe and keep us in the known yes. and keep us in the cave. So trying to fight the fact that our minds are ruminating and thinking and going to the past, like that is part of us as humans. Like it's an inbuilt mechanism to try and keep us yeah. safe and not eaten by a predator. So you're also not broken for having that, but the ability comes no. in the awareness and acceptance that, oh, like this is a normal phenomenon that everyone in as a human experiences in their brain okay okay this is my monkey mind is thinking yes right now like and, and the energy it's it's also about you know we can definitely um you know we can think back to experiences in the past but also to it's about redesigning and, and and turning down the energetic reaction that has had so you know again it's like you can think back but you're not in reaction mm. in the current moment yeah. so it's making sure that your unconscious is not coming into your consciousness and disrupting yeah. it's a matter of being able to go backward and go oh okay that's where it is yep cool but you become very grounded in that thought process mm. so you're not actually being reacted or triggered every single time yeah that's so true um i remembered my final point and then after this yes. we are <laughs> <this is> done but <laughs> um, earlier when we were speaking about food and like let food be thy medicine which is such an accurate statement but i was just going to bring in the comparison of vets like they know they know that like if you're bringing your animal in and they're sick one of the first questions yes. they'll ask you is what are you feeding that animal and i mean yes. essentially us as humans we are animals so we are. yeah we are a species <laughs> yeah so if you're feeling stuck or troubled or have these diagnoses like start you know being becoming a bit more introspective and just start questioning how are you living your day-to-day -day life and yeah yeah I think that's 100 percent. yeah and want to chat reach out definitely yes definitely. you're not alone you're no not at all <laughs> yeah and yeah you were also you also weren't born to suffer so 
No, we're not designed to suffer yeah. at all. We're designed to thrive. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Natalie, it has been an absolute honor to speak with you thank and pick you. your brain. And thank <laughs> you for sharing all of your wisdom and your insights and just inspiring story and messages. I really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. No, thank you, Kelsey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Some real food for thought. Excuse the pun. Actually, pun intended. From the symbiotic relationship between the gut and the brain, how the mind works, the body's requirements for amino acids in order to produce neurotransmitters, food quality, the body's biochemical responses to different macronutrients, empowering the individual that they are not broken, protein, and, and, and. There was so much more I wanted to pick Natalie's brain on. We may have to do a round two. We would love to hear your feedback, so please definitely reach out and send Natalie or myself a message on the social media platforms. If you want to do your own research, I have linked to the resources that Natalie and I mentioned in our conversation in the show notes of this episode. And don't forget about your 10% discount on any Oxford HealthSpan product when you enter Kelsey, all in capitals, K-E-L-S-E-Y, as the discount code at checkout. Links will be in the show notes. And until next time, stay safe, stay real. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Human Theatre. I hope you learned something new. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and give a rating or a review on whatever app you are listening to this podcast on. I would love to hear your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram or via email. All the links are in the show notes. Remember, you are your most important person in this world. Keep shining your unique light. Until next time.